0: All right, cool. so this week we read two chapters that were basically all about how the Bolsheviks sucked until Lenin got there. Who wants to start us off talking about that
1: i can I can try it
0: Fire away, mug uh
1: yeah, so basically uh Lenin comes back from exile uh he works with Germany to to get back over the border via train into Russia in like a a closed off train car and gets back to Russia, basically immediately gets to work uh, with the Bolsheviks who've been kind of just sitting around, not really doing much uh, in the wake of the insurrection and uh, kind of feeling that the provisional government's in their way. So he gets to work kind of overhauling the party, kind of being like, you know, you guys are you're not doing this right way, you're you're trying to, you're kind of like holding fast to the old kind of views and the old schemas rather than kind of observing, I guess, like the material conditions before you. So he gets to work um, trying to energize everyone and put together like a new plan, kind of game plan forward for the Bolsheviks. And I guess during that time, uh, Stalin and uh, the other guy, Kavmanov, I think, or something like that. Kamenev, yeah, they're kind of floating around as well. Um, kind of adhering to this idea of I think dual power and thinking that that's the way forward. And I think everyone's still also kind of just like paralyzed by this this uh, idea that or belief that the there won't be a, a proletarian revolution in Russia. They believe that what's happening right now will possibly spur proletarian revolution in the west because uh, they're more technologically and uh advanced uh kind of capitalist systems and the labor or like the uh uh the forces of production are kind of more advanced i guess over there so they're all kind of like adhering to that and Lenin, Lenin also does believe that too it sounds like um but he is trying to spur more action amongst the bolsheviks and he does so in a way that's uh it's He says like, you know, don't, we don't want to kind of like drop our plan on people and like force people to submit to our plan. But instead we need to educate people. And it's kind of like this like slow game uh, in working towards educating the masses to come to the same conclusions, but like on their own terms. So, yeah, he's he's back and. Um, yeah, working through the mess that is uh, post-insurrection Russia.
2: Hey, what happened in post-insurrection Russia?
0: Sorry, can you say that again, Silva?
2: Wait, what happened in in post-insurrection Russia? After the February insurrection?
0: Oh, yeah, like like Mug was saying, you know, the, the Bolsheviks didn't uh, before Lenin gets there, they didn't have the the greatest of positions. Basically, they were mostly adhering to the established facts of the February revolution, which was the fact that the Soviet is trying to hand power uh, over back to the to the bourgeois through through the provisional government uh they're They're kind of swallowing the line about continuing the war in defense of the revolution despite ignoring, well, despite the fact that the the, revol- or the war was started with imperialist aims and has not fundamentally transformed at this point, um, the the Bolsheviks are kind of touting a social patriotic defensist kind of line, and Trotsky really goes out of his way to, to point the finger at the editors of Pravda and talks about how before stalin and kamenev get there pravda didn't really have the greatest of lines but after stalin and kamenev took over the editorship of pravda uh... they they started really kind of uh... pushing Mm. the social patriotic defenses line where they're like look we're we're being attacked by germany we need to defend the revolution um... it's important that we continue this war and when lenin shows back up he basically explodes all of these formulas and he's like no we shouldn't be handing power over to the provisional government. We should still be defeatists uh mm-hmm. we're we're not in this war for the right reasons we uh the revolution is is not fully proletarian it It's not like controlled by the proletariat. Yeah. This revolution isn't worth defending it's It's worth continuing it's like, but it's not I, worth
2: i i my like reading the thing is like the vo- the vibra committee held me- meetings of thousands of workers and soldiers which almost unanimously adopted resolutions on the, the necessity for a seizure of power by the soviets
0: yeah exactly and mm. and that's the direction that um lenin was trying to push things in is it's like you you see this disconnection between kind of the the leadership Below, other than Lenin, the Bolshevik leadership, other than Lenin, and the rank and file, especially the Vyborg district, the, those guys are those workers are mm-hmm. always like the bleeding edge of the revolution in Petrograd. Oh, yeah. The the Vyborg like, district. Said, oh yeah, the really. The
2: thing is, it says like, but the Petrograd committee would put an absolute ban upon this resolution, and the Vyborg workers were compelled to submit.
0: Yeah, exactly. So so the Bolshevik leadership was kind of like uh muzzling all of these these forward progressive move- or leftward revolutionary sentiments from the from the rank like and file wor- Bolsheviks. Mm-hmm.
2: So there was like pro-revolution and anti-revolution camp, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um So there mm-hmm. So they split in the Bolsheviks in the in their government.
0: Yeah, the the split so speak, there uh, was definitely a very real split within the Bolsheviks and Lenin comes back and takes a very obvious side in this split with with the uh the rank and file workers. I think Trotsky mentions a couple times that the the rank and file workers are are kind of subdued by their leadership simply because they don't have the theoretical training to answer some of the arguments that are being made at them by their leadership, where Lenin does have the ability to say, you know, yeah, just because we're, uh, you know, still breaking up feudal relations doesn't mean we have to hand over power to the bourgeoisie. We can still take power uh, in the name of the proletariat for the proletariat, and the proletariat can accomplish these tasks. Just because it is the tasks of the bourgeois revolution doesn't mean that it has to be done by the bourgeoisie. That's kind of a academic way to see things. Just because it's called a bourgeois revolution doesn't mean it needs to be carried out by the bourgeoisie.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, why was it called the bourgeois revolution again? Wasn't it like the revolution supposed to be, was supposedly like led by like workers and like disenfranchised soldiers who were drafted into the war? Yeah, so it's
0: it's called a bourgeois revolution or a democratic revolution just because Russia was still a very feudal society. And kind of the stereotypical Marxist scheme is that you go from feudalism to capitalism and then socialism-communism. So they were seeing that Russia was in feudalism, and so they're saying, well, the next step has to be capitalism. So if you're having a revolution in a feudal country, well, then that's that's got to be a, a bourgeois revolution or a capitalist Yeah, that's
2: why, I, that's why I thought all the, like, the Western countries were going to go to communism first, then Russia, which obviously the reverse happened, as we all know from foresight.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what Lenin was yeah, yeah. coming, and he's beating everybody <laughs> so over basically. the head with this club. Like, you guys, it, it doesn't have to go in this very formulaic scheme. Y- it can... History and societies are not that simple that they can fit into these kind of like academic. Yeah,
2: yeah. The Russian con the, in the Russian context, socialism was possible. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Wait, it, so yeah, I'm confused like that. on that. Yeah, fire away. Did so? Did did Lenin think that it was possible in Russia, or was he in the camp of like it's it'll happen in the West, like fully happen in the West before it happens in Russia?
0: it really depends like a full on proletarian de- revolution yeah it it really depends on what era of lenin we're talking about um the 1905 to 1917 prior to getting back to russia in 1917 he was definitely trotsky outlines the the theory of the democratic dictatorship of the proletariat and the peasantry and if that sounds confusing and ambiguous it's because it kind of is and Trotsky was not an adherent to this. This is where the big beef between Trotsky and Lenin comes in, actually, is Trotsky believed that the Russian Revolution would lead directly to a dictatorship of the proletariat, where Lenin believed in the democratic dictatorship of the uh, proletariat and the peasantry. Uh, Trotsky's argument is that Lenin basically abandoned this position when he came back in April and converted to the Trotskyist position of the dictatorship of the proletariat. Now, having said that, a proletariat revolution and having a dictatorship of the proletariat is something different than actually getting yourself to socialism. You can... Because the dictatorship of the proletariat is still the proletariat administering capitalism, but in the interests of the proletariat. So... Nobody, and I think I can say that categorically, nobody thought that Russia would go straight from feudalism into socialism. The argument was which class is going to hold the reins of power after the Russian Revolution. That's what they were arguing about. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, Trotsky's position gets misconstrued as saying that Russia will jump straight from feudalism into socialism. But really, his pre-1917 position was that russia could jump straight from feudalism into the control of the proletariat and being under the control of the proletariat could then aid the revolutions in the west such as germany classically and that germany would be the first to establish socialism and
2: and then russia
0: exactly and then germany would then help russia to establish their own socialism
2: when in reality, yeah, that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah, unfortunately Germany was, went
2: yeah, Germany went to fascism while well, Russia over its history went I think went from like feudalism to to socialism, then to capitalism.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately it didn't work out quite that way, but that was kind of the idea was that you would put the workers in power in Russia and despite the fact that Russia did not have the technological capability all by itself to reach socialism they would use their political power to influence other nations and get them to have their own revolutions or assist them in their revolutions and then take advantage of their technological advancement in comparison to the political advancement of Russia and use that to bring themselves into socialism. But instead they found themselves isolated and they had to make do with what they had. Um, Things get complicated.
1: What were were the revolutionary vibes in Germany? At this moment in time, like, I don't really know much about uh, that side of things.
0: That is exactly what we will be reading after we're done with this, basically. Uh, as early oh, as 1918, oh, well, even before that, you have the uh, the sailors in, oh, no, the name of the place escaped me. You you have mutineers in the sailors' lines. Like, the the soldiers in Germany are also, like, revolutionary and, like, borderline revolting and things like that. So we'll we'll definitely get to see all of the, the different soldiers sailors revolts. Um I mean Germany's revolution, uh the the whole government fell um, apart in nineteen eighteen, so like just right after the Russian Revolution.
3: Yeah. yeah. I um, think really might be thinking it about the Kiel Mutiny.
0: Yes. I wanted to say Kiev, but I was like, Kiev's not right. That's uh <laughs> Kiev's you know, in Ukraine. Exactly. I'm thinking, yeah, Banfield Panda's got it right, the Kiel mutiny. They're spelled almost identical. It's just an L versus a V. But yeah, so the the mood in Germany is something that all of the Bolsheviks, and probably most of the Russians in general, are, are really cognizant of and aware of, and after we finish the year 1917 study, there is a book that we're going to read next about the Brest-Litovsk Treaty, and... Basically, the entire Bolshevik strategy is predicated on trying to gamble with the german revolution uh they're They're trying to make this treaty with the with the German uh like commanding army staff, and they're like sure we'll we'll have this treaty with you, but we're not going to have to actually honor it because you're about to have a revolution so you won't have any power to enforce it anyway, and the workers of Germany aren't going to enforce it upon us anyway." Uh, but that's, that's kind of a Cliff Notes version. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. obviously give a more full study of that. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be looking at um, everything going uh, on in Germany.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, I'm sure we'll be looking at how Otrotsky, went and the Bolsheviks kind of realized, okay, the German Revolution is not happening soon enough for us to get down of this. Otrotsky kind of formula on how exactly it ended up doing wrestling stuff
0: speaking of the german revolution we we have a little cameo by the greatest figure in all of history and in one of this chapter Mm -hmm. um we we have the who dan Dan? no no not dan uh it's (laughs) close but let, let me find the quote here let's see okay yeah so trotsky writes uh at the same time a joint this is about Lenin coming from uh, or coming through Switzer from Switzerland through Germany into Russia. So he says at the same time a joint declaration was drawn up with several foreign revolutionists quote the Russian internationalists who are now going to Russia in order to serve there the cause of the revolution will help us arouse the proletariat of other countries, especially of Germany and Austria against their governments. So speak end quote. So speaks the protocol signed by Loria and Gilbo from France, Paul Levi from Germany, and Platon from Switzerland and some other folk. But Paul Levi, right there, greatest German person like ever. We're going to learn tons about him because he's awesome in the, in the German Wait, thing. He's Wait,
2: who? Do what? Wait, who who are you talking about?
0: Paul Levi. We're going to learn about oh, him Paul in the German Levi. section. Okay the man has pretty much never had a wrong thought in his life he's he's pretty much perfect and flawless yeah the closest um, thing
2: to perfect that a human being can be
0: uh pretty much i mean the man knew what was going on and it, like even even after the revolution in germany lost like in 1930 like before hitler came around the man was smart enough to throw himself out of a window and he died so he didn't even have to see world war 2 nothing like that very intelligent man Uh, He may have been sick with fever at the time, but I still believe it was a calculated decision.
3: Uh, I I swear to God, really. I swear to God. I don't think anyone is going to uh, get your obsession with Levi.
0: Look, you read the German stuff. You know how spot on Levi was.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how spot on he was about about things according to this... According to one specific book, Octa was the one thing we always speaking positively about him. Every other thing, every other, every, author, every author apparently thinks, ah, oh, there nothing special. But the one book we read is the one that says, "Yes, Levi is the best."
0: It's the only book worth reading. Le- Levi is the best. We'll we'll all judge this for ourselves later. But um, anyway. So
1: what's his? What's his role right now that Paul we've we've come right across? Now? Yeah, in the reading that we just did.
0: Oh, um, he was just one of the people that signed on to the statement to say that you know we're we're sending Lenin down to Russia, and he's gonna help us with our international revolution by helping out with the revolution in Russia. So. Oh, got
2: it. Oh, hey. Wait. Why did Germany send Lenin to Russia again? Well, that's that's that.
0: interesting question, right? So that was like the big controversy is that Lenin and other people had to negotiate with Germany to get back to Russia. So that puts a big political cloud over their entry into Russia because now oh, wow. they look like, like the Bolsheviks are already they, being accused of being German agents. And here comes Lenin <laughs> with the permission of Germany. So – it oh, already yeah. looks like oh well like, like, oh you're just
2: German agents exactly, exactly. I wanted to see why Russia oh yeah remember like someone on, like Reddit it's like one of these anti-communists of like a- like a- enough te- enough commies being like tanky jerk just to like yeah Lenin was just a German agent just meant to destabilize Russia so like that that's the only reason why he like was able to get into Russia while ignoring his like context so well, it's not a newfound statement though.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a myth that's been, like, perpetuated since forever, is that Lenin was just a German agent sent to Russia by Germany to destabilize and defeat Russia in the war. And frankly, from Germany's perspective, they did understand Lenin was a disruptive element, and they did send him there with that intention. It's just that Lenin was not on, like, the payroll of the Hohenzollerns or anything like that. And he – so the statement that Levi and others signed was basically a declaration of faith and confidence in Lenin saying that, look, we're from Germany, we're the German revolutionists, and we're saying that Lenin is our guy. Yeah, He's not that Lenin
2: a, is our guy that he should be sent to Russia yeah, exactly. to go help, help, help the development of communism.
0: Exactly. So it's just a way for them to try to uh, put some good graces on this otherwise dark cloud. So that's what that's what Levi's doing in, in the chapter. Uh what Levi's doing outside of this context is he's he's Rosa Luxemburg's lawyer at the time, I believe. So that's kinda interesting. Let's see. Yeah, so Lenin comes back with this policy. He wants to just, like, 180 from what the Bolshevik leadership was doing. He's he's calling for, like, immediate land seizures, all power to the Soviets, and an immediate end to the war. And like Mug was saying, he's, he's not advocating that the Bolsheviks, like, go and do these things as a minority, like, try to violently force all power to the Soviets or violently force an end to the war or anything like that. But he's recognizing their role as a minority party within the Soviet and saying that we need to advocate for these positions, fight for these positions with the working class, not going outside of the established Soviet legality, because that would make them like a, like a blankist, blankist kind of party. They don't want to be like anarchist insurrectionaries. They want to actually go along with the working class. And so that's going to mean winning the working class to their side. So that's really important that Lenin is not actually... uh, I think Trotsky remarks, one of the people is like, oh, well, Lenin's going to play the role of Bakunin now, or Bakunin, however you choose to say that name. But Lenin is explicitly not advocating for a breach of Soviet legality. He's trying to remain a minority party, uh, he he constantly makes references to Karl Liebknecht, who famously voted against the war credits. Uh, Lenin is totally fine playing in the minority role, and and I think this these these two chapters should kind of show just how far along the path the Bolsheviks were towards like remerging with with the Mensheviks, mm-hmm. and how Lenin kind of really 180'd
2: that by like the Bolshev- like Lenin like. Changed like the Bolsheviks, like I have the bug up here that says Kerbnev grasped better than most Bolsheviks the general ideas of Lenin, but he grasped them only in order to give them the mildest possible interpretation in practice.
0: Yeah, like Lenin really put the rank and file nice. back in charge of of the party, so to speak. He he kind of directly translated the activity of the working class. To the rest of the party and put the party back on track in that yeah. way.
2: Oh yeah, and, and like Cam Nev is like a publicist who's, who who was with Lenin. But oh yeah, it was, I was. Mean, I'm the paragraph like over Stalin. Was like Stalin was a totally different type of Bolshevik. Both his physiological makeup and the character of his party work. A strong but theoretically and imp- politically primitive organizer. Of course, Trotsky would say that. Of course. Yeah, this is Trotsky.
0: <laughs> yeah, no now for the most part Trotsky does choose to use other people's words rather than his own. Um he's generally quoting somebody else. But okay, yeah. Stalin
2: was distinguished among the practicals for energy, persistence, and intensiveness in the matter of moves behind the scenes. Okay, it's just Trotsky describing Stalin.
0: Another one that I want to call attention to is a quote from the editors of Pravda where they write and say, As for the general scheme of Comrade Lenin, it seems to us unacceptable in that it starts from the assumption that the bourgeois democratic revolution is ended and counts upon an immediate transformation of this revolution into a socialist revolution. Now, this will consistently be the outlook or I should say that this particular outlook from Stalin and Kamenev, as it turns out, is something that they will transplant over into their dealing with the Chinese Revolution, where, just like right now in, in the Russian 1917, they're trying to cling too hard to the idea of the bourgeois democratic revolution, that they're missing the fact that a proletarian revolution is possible and happening before them they're going to cling too hard to that idea in China oh, yeah. and th- in
2: China as well. Oh yeah, the one in China like I think you know China's uh, I think it, it I think that idea kind of still persists to this day in China. Or right, the conflict between like state capitalism and like socialism. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, what
0: what China is today is a a little more complicated. The um Yeah. The Chinese revolution we'll be looking at is the the one of the 1920s and there, the perspective that I just quoted is is something that Stalin will will apply to China. There, where he's trying very hard to only see a, a bourgeois revolution, where he's <laughs> advocating for giving power to the to the Kuomintang and Shanghai Shek rather than the uh, the emerging Chinese Communist Party or the Communist Party of China. Um, so that's that's just like an interesting little note to be able to pick up and say. You know, th- this was something that they thought before, and they had Lenin to correct mm-hmm. them at the time. And then in the future, they had no correction, and they kind of applied the same ideas. So it just goes to show that like they didn't really change. It's just that Lenin beat them down, so to
2: speak. Oh, yeah, Lenin. What? What did Lenin do? Wait, wait. You were talking about China, then just went back to Russia, or the ex-Soviet state.
0: Yeah, yeah, so like, the the editors of Pravda, Stalin, and Kamenev had this perspective at the time, and, and Lenin was able to not really convince them otherwise, and I think their perspective in the Chinese Revolution is proof of that, but instead just kind of politically defeated them, so to speak. He didn't really manage to change their minds in particular, he just managed to allow the rank-and-file Bolshevik workers to overwhelm the party. Um, that's that's an interesting mm. statistic that gets – or that um, – I forget who brings it up. I think it's, like, Liebman or some other historian of the, the Russian Revolution. But by October 1917 – Nineteen out of twenty members of the Bolsheviks had not been a member of the Bolshevik prior to October, <laughs> or prior to the year nineteen seventeen. I forget what the I, exact cutoff I, is. The
2: October wait, wait, did we go over the, the October Revolution?
0: Oh no, not yet, not yet. We're still oh, only back in back in April. Oh my god. We'll get there. This is kind of where now that Lenin's back and the and the party is getting a, a program of their own, they're they're gonna start to struggle. In, in their own name now, consciously. It's a lot more kind of interesting moving forward. Um. Did anybody uh, else have any port- other? Th- oh, sorry, Panda.
3: No, 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 I just wanted to clarify for sex is sex, this is being recorded and I don't unnecessarily agree with Rodley, but I am also not informed enough to disagree explicitly with him in, uh, I have to recognize that most of the reading that I do when it comes to Chilean and, tea and tea is related to this group and I'm very, happy. I'm very grateful for, for or this group to motivate me to really that, but considering that, for the most part, a lot of what we read is just perspectives on different events or left communist perspectives and all that, I... I don't oh, no, I don't necessarily agree enough of uh, I don't necessarily don't to agree or disagree. as since this, this is being recorded and, uh, and of that I that try to cover my ass a little bit because uh, I I have a representation of other places on, online under on, on the same user then and I In case anyone never finds this, I want to clarify to cover my ass a little bit that. I don't necessarily agree, but at this moment, I also don't necessarily know enough to disagree.
0: Sure, sure. And that's why you gotta read, always read more, right? Don't you love it? It never ends. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, there's infinite stuff to read.
0: But I mean, there's a certain point. Speaking of. Yeah, go on.
1: Uh, speaking of, were we supposed to read the article in the appendix for this? We will read the
0: appendices at the end of the volume. Oh. Did you go ahead and read I it? I started only? reading
1: it. I read like half of it earlier and then fell asleep. <laughs> that's
0: fair. That's fair. Yeah, we'll we'll read all the appendices once we actually finish the volume.
1: Cool. It's kind of like a dare from Trotsky. He's like, there's an article in the appendix... Uh, explains this further, which you don't have to read, but, you know, if you're serious about this, you will read it. I was like, oh, fuck, all right. But, yeah, I only read half of it.
0: But, yeah, once once you've studied uh, enough of the history of, of, like, any particular event or whatever, once you know, like, actually what happens, who does what, why, and kind of, like, the underlying logics, I think you've read enough already to kind of make your judgments on on who was correct about this that or the third you know and and it's not even i don't know it's not even so important to be like oh well this guy was right and that guy was wrong it's it's more about like i said understanding those those underlying logics about what was happening like i think we can once by the end of this uh reading of these three volumes and stuff we'll we'll be able to pretty definitively say you know uh the, the proletariat came to power in russia, and here 's why and here 's why the bourgeoisie could not here 's why the the czar fell here 's why the peasantry could not take power here 's why the workers were forced to here 's why you know this that and the third like and, and once you can like say all of those things, which individuals were on the side of this side or the other it 's kind of irrelevant in a hundred year old History, what's more important is being able to pick out the, the class logics and kind of adapt the strategies and tactics and lessons for for modern-day things. It's not so much that, like, you know, oh, we thought Kamenev was right. It's like, well, whatever. Who who really cares if Kamenev was right or not? It, it's more about uh, which class rules and why and what are their interests and how are they expressed and how do you consistently express those in, in an honest way and and fight for those and what are the times that you maybe need to not fight for those interests because you're you're weak at that moment, which is something that's gonna come up, uh in, in this book. At at a certain point the working class is kinda ready to go and they're like, Alright, let's go take the power and the Bolsheviks are like, Woo woo, 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 we're not quite ready for that just yet, actually. So that's that's kind of interesting. We'll we'll get to that too. Um so it's it's not like I know a lot of people arguing on the internet like to be like you know th- you want to pick sides. It almost feels like a little sport kind of thing. Like you know Trotsky was right about this, we're Trotskyists, or Stalin was right about this, we're sta- it's like eh, who who really cares? Just like analyze the issue at hand, come to the figure out the logic of the situation. I I often enjoy uh kind of pointing out how both people are wrong and pointing out how both people are right about different specific instances just to mess with people and make them have no idea who I actually tend to adhere to or whatever. I like to bring up, for example, Stalin's opinion on... I think it was like on, on the Finland situation in 1918 or late 1917. I think he was pretty much spot on with what was going on in Finland. Um, but... He got overruled by the rest of the Bolshevik Party, so he just kind of had to go along with it. Uh, but I think he was totally right about he was saying about what he was saying in Finland. But we're not even going to talk about that in that book. So you know, I just want to give an example of where I thought Stalin was pretty much one hundred percent correct about what he was saying. Um, we'll bring it back to the chapter, though. Uh, did anybody have any other kind of thoughts or questions or anything about this these these chapters?
3: Uh, from a different perspective. That... The most interesting thing I, I found is, whole, of uh, at the end of chapter fifteen, that I, I believe it was, uh, uh sorry, it's, I I can't focus. I can't, I to cut off.
0: Sure. Wait, I
2: have, I have a question. Fire so away. when it says like, when it says like the Karmenev-Stalin faction was steadily converting itself into a left flank of the so-called revolutionary democracy and was taking part of the mechanics of parliamentary pressure in the chorus upon the bourgeois, supplementing this with a similar pressure upon dem- democracy.
0: Did you want us to take a crack at explaining that?
2: Yeah, I, what does that even mean?
0: Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, Mug, do you want to try it? Sorry to call you out, Mug. Do you want to give it a shot, or you want me to answer
1: I mean, I totally missed that, so I don't think I
0: could.
3: What what was the question? We are
0: explaining the statement from Trotsky in Chapter 15, where he says, The Komenev stalin faction was steadily converting itself into a left flank of the so-called revolutionary democracy and was taking part in the mechanics of parliamentary pressure in the color upon the bourgeoisie, supplementing this with a similar pressure upon the democracy.
3: Okay, I think I have a an idea. What yours is probably going to be a better, uh, a a better if you're representing that. all
0: right, I'll give it a shot then. Um, basically, communist Stalin were accepting the fact that the the power was being handed over to the provisional government, so they were engaging in the mechanics of pressure, and what that means is. They're not actually committed to, like, taking the power from these people or anything like that. They're like, look, we're we're not going to support you if you don't do these things that we want you to do. But their lack of support isn't really much of a threat because they're not willing to take the power themselves. So they're, they're defaulting back to this... Position of support or non-support, where their non-support doesn't mean anything because they're not willing to try to struggle for the power on on their own. Uh, uh does that make sense? What?
2: Not really. So it's like their their non-support doesn't mean anything. As uh, they're not.
0: Yeah. So no like, but because they're not willing to struggle for all power to the Soviet, because they're not trying to actually lead the working class they're not trying to lead any sort of proletarian dictatorship or anything like that what they're instead trying to do is is persuade the provisional government the the bourgeoisie into enacting things like the eight-hour day when oh yeah right when, when not, they have not... no real powers of persuasion over the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. because oh yeah so
2: it's like so like the, we we're trying to like do it like it's like so have it like I'm confused, like
0: they were trying to what? I'm sorry?
2: I got confused, like. Have it So they do they abandon like revolutionary thought or like something and said where like their main strategy was parliamentary?
0: Yeah, basically. They they're more interested in like parliamentary kind yeah, of Yeah,
2: how 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 like things would work through parliament. They thought that Parliament was like a solution to shit, to stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Panda, do you want to pick up what you were saying before your phone call? Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I was just going to make a, a little comment about how, for, uh, at the end of chapter 15, and uh, even to some extent, and at the end of chapter 16, it, it shows how all stay it can kind of spark from prevailing nothing because for a moment there it really looked like a landing might have been totally ostracized within the a party see, in how like you said eight, uh mer- a remesh between the Bolsheviks and the Meshevics seems possible or how pretty much everyone to the a uh, right of the Bolsheviks even the, into the right of the right, I like of the Bolsheviks. everyone to the right of the top. thought, oh yeah, Lenin made a costly fuck-up when he, he accepted the German help He going back to Russia, nobody's going to oblige him in another that, I think he puts into perspective that uh, when a revolutionary moment occurs, we're not going to, Realizing the moment between at the f- views of the revolution and the things that happened and then due to the society, uh, I mean, in logistics behind closed doors or of, due to other momentum that we can't possibly predict. we, we can't really predict in the bit of a revolution how I think how the revolution is going to come or that because it, at, at the moment, within a week of Lenin's Return, but it kind of seemed like it was over for him, for a moment.
2: Yeah, he like it was over for Lenin.
3: Yeah, like, like for a moment it seemed like he might have, been I mean, over and for him at that time politically and, and, I just think it is something that we need to keep in mind to have as some sort of perspective in case that any of us live to see a revolution which. Uh, on the one side is something that we I can hopeful, on the other uh, side we I can know it's actually inter revolutionary chaos and all that so uh, the more cowardly among us may not exactly it that but at the same time we want that the point I try to make is that if we ever actually live in a revolutionary moment we have to we keep keep in mind that we can't just would think it's all over after uh, a moment of that because uh, Lenin could uh, I thought, okay, I'm not, oh, that uh, And he was essentially seen as the question of man for his return.
0: Yeah, Lenin was like super isolated when he got back, like you're saying. And it's it's not the last time during the 1917 affair that he's going to be in a super minority position at a certain point later too like right on the eve of october he's he's calling for this seizure of power and the the central committee's like stalling on him and he's like okay i'm going to step down and fucking leave if you guys don't pick up the pace with this uh because we need to do this do, like, now
2: like just don't get your together yeah exactly basically.
0: so like Lenin's willing to to split and destroy the Bolshevik party uh over certain questions and for Lenin to do that is kind of tremendous because the Bolshevik party is basically his party um so it kind of shows his his dedication and awareness of uh revolutionary tasks that he would be willing to split and or destroy the Bolshevik party but it also says something, I think, about the Bolshevik Party that he had to be driven to that point in order to get them to commit to revolutionary tasks that were mm-hmm. necessary.
2: Yeah, they they weren't committing to a revolution, basically.
0: Yeah, basically, the the Bolshevik Party is at its absolute best when it's being overwhelmed by revolutionary workers, particularly again those those Vyborg Vyborg district workers. They're they're pretty much the 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 best um, they're they're just awesome uh one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit too that that I like that trotsky brings up he he kind of talks about the role of Lenin and leaders more generally in in a in a party and how their their dynamics play out. And it it can seem like, and Trotsky addresses this, he, he basically says, you know, it seems like Lenin was dropped into the Bolshevik party and just gave it this huge 180 as though Lenin was this external element from Russia, and it just got dropped in, and it course corrected, and he was something exogenous, he was this, this great man, he had all this influence, and uh, it, it makes it kind of seem like... Uh, you know, that the great man theory of history kind of has has a little bit of weight, but Trotsky kind of makes the point that, you know, it's not weird that Lenin gets dropped back into the Bolsheviks. What was weird was that he was away from them for so long, that he was out of Russia for so long. Uh, Lenin was, was born and bred in Russian soil, in the Russian struggle, in the yeah. Bolshevik party. He just found himself isolated away from them because of Uh, Kind of contingent external circumstances of immigration, war, and exile. So he wasn't able to constantly be there influencing the growth of the Bolshevik party during this uh, kind of tumultuous wartime and during the, the revolution, the earlier days of the revolution so it's it's not so much that Lenin came in and gave this like exogenous jolt to the party. it's that he came in and exerted the influence which he always had because he okay. so
2: exerted influence he always had So just... yeah because he patent.
0: he's always been kind of like okay. i mean he was he was a party leader he was uh writers for iskra all the good things writer editor for iskra um so like he he's always been growing and building the Bolshevik party. It's just that he was away from Russia and once he got dropped back in, he's continuing to do the things he would have been doing uh if he had been there the whole time basically. Um So I like that Trotsky makes that point that it's not just like the sole feat of Lenin that these things happened. Lenin was only able to do what he did because of the, the pressure of the rank-and-file workers, worker Bolsheviks, who were also surging ahead for these things that Lenin is pushing for. Uh, Lenin would not have been able to do that, basically, at all, if he didn't have those worker Bolshevik support. The, the quote-unquote problem with the Bolshevik party was this like upper-middle-layer leadership bureaucracy kind of thing these these editors of Pravda your kind of central committee that's not super in touch with the workers Lenin had the the talent of being able to discern what the workers were fighting for and needed what their feelings for uh, what their feelings were without actually being in the factory floor constantly not everybody can do that um and it definitely showed so I like that Trotsky brought that up I thought that was uh good to kind of dispel the idea that Lenin's kind of like this, this, uh, Russian messiah kind of thing. Let me see. There's something else I wanted to bring up, but I don't remember what it was, anymore. Such a shame. Does anybody else have any other kind of thoughts, comments, questions, concerns?
3: nothing serious nothing serious i just uh i was kind of amused when reading Josky is the description of kamenev because i don't know if you oh, saw it. the other day but i posted in the uh, general call was and uh, and it's kind of uh, I weird that uh, there's not really any It purely oh this guy was just a perfect is there's doesn't. The, Really, any kind of issues like that in the uh, Russian communist? And apparently, it just I'm wrong uh, According to Trotsky, Kamenev fisted in. I kind of on, on top of me.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. I do remember you posting that. Okay. Yeah, that is pretty funny.
3: Do, do you agree with uh, him on that? At that, Kamenev is essentially it's just a propagandist guy?
0: Um. I don't know yeah. enough to really say about Kamenev. I mean, it seemed like maybe he just was a good speaker and went and spoke at stuff like that, but obviously,
2: yeah. Oral... Trotsky says he was, a, he was just this propagandist.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be harder to have like a historical record of you know speeches and things like that oh, yeah. since he's probably... so
2: the the main thing to get from the, these two chapters is that Lenin was Lenin uh, Ren- tried to re- like get the party together and rearm the party from being becoming like what was getting to become like a re, just a re, a parliamentary party into like a tr- a true revolutionary party. That's what I, I think that's what you are trying to get at.
0: Yeah, basically Lenin came back and was just trying to mm-hmm. reconnect the party with its militant working class base in in Vyborg particularly. It's it's not that Lenin like made up these plans out of nowhere. It's that he was just reconnecting the Bolsheviks and allowing the the rank the rank and file worker Bolsheviks who were
2: oh yeah because the Bol- because what I was reading that the Bolsheviks got quite disconnected from the workers. And what I was I was like skimming through the text and what like you you all were th- discussing like the Bolsheviks like had some disconnect with like the workers.
0: Yeah, so really that's kind of. Not to, like, downplay it, but, like, that's, that's all Lenin it. did was kind of reconnect the Bolsheviks to their militant working class. It's all Lenin funnel. did?
2: Yeah. Saying that all Lenin did, like, reconnect the Bolsheviks, that's not really downplaying it because that's a very big deal, though.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also don't want to, like, like, overplay it and just be like, oh, Lenin was the, the only reason this worked or whatever. Oh that was the other thing I wanted to bring up. I liked I also liked in in talking about the absence of Lenin and so forth. Trotsky kind of discusses like a, a fatalism kind of oh, thing yeah. where he's like you don't want to over downplay Lenin and you don't want to over overplay Lenin either. You don't want to say that like without Lenin everything would have been exactly the same because he, 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 he makes know. the argument that like you know Yeah, eventually, on their own, the rank-and-file workers could have selected a new leader among themselves, which actually represented their interests, but that would have taken time, and they didn't really have time. I mean, the revolution happened in a year, and then the Civil War broke out, and if they had not secured power by this time... Then the bourgeoisie or the feudal groups would have secured enough power to wage a civil war, and they would not have consolidated power, and they would have just been crushed. So Lenin was super important because he allowed them to react in time. So he doesn't, Trotsky doesn't play the fatalist card of saying Lenin's not important; they would have done this anyway. But he also doesn't play the card of they would have like, never. The realized whole thing rests on Lenin. Lenin.
2: Okay, that Lenin was a big deal, but the, it's not it was like the sole thing. That's what exactly. I was. Tra- that's what we we're trying to get at.
0: It's it's the dialectical harmony of of leadership and rank and file. You know. Yeah, I,
1: think, I thought it was a nice kind of callback to, uh, the chapter, the death and agony, death agony of the monarchy, when Trotsky like talks about the personality of leaders. And how I guess like kind of what you were saying earlier, just their they're products of their kind of social okay. conditions that that okay. surround them and become expressions of that rather than yeah this like great man theory, but it, yeah it maybe think of that chapter.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh yeah. What I'm reading here in the book is like is that it's like that is like the direct transition to a socialist society. The hegemony of the proletariat in the democratic revolution was sharply distinguished from the dictatorship of the proletariat, and problematically contrasted against it. The Bolshevik Party had been educated in the ideas since the spring, since ever since the spring of nineteen o
0: five. Right. Um. Yeah. Sorry. If anybody has any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, otherwise we can. Just say we'll do two more chapters for next week again.
2: Yeah, hopefully, yeah, I actually good. read it this time instead Cha-ching. of just pick, backing off you to learn.
0: Um, what did everybody think mm-hmm. about this this new platform?
2: Yeah, this is our first time we're using it. Like,
1: how- I think it's pretty nice. Everyone comes through much
3: clearer. I I don't unnecessary. agree everyone comes uh, much clearer. Uh in terms of clearness it seems to much in Discord. I'm not sure why I really sounds quieter for me, but not for you guys. It's it's weird.
0: Oh do I not sound quieter for you, Mug? Have I have I done better projecting the voice today? I think so. Alright. I mean
1: or I just turned up my volume really loud.
0: Cha-ching. All right, well, uh, I guess we'll call it there then. It's it's eight we'll o'clock on the dot. Rock on, guys. It's um, like
2: eight o'clock on the dot here and where where I am.
0: Cha-ching! All right, well, take care, everybody. I hope everybody care, has the
2: rest of the week. Yeah,
3: see you. Take take care. It. Yeah, uh, I would take the rest mm-hmm. of the week, but you and I are condemned tomorrow. Wait. So.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, guys. I have a question. Oh shit! Oh yeah, finally. Yeah. yeah
3: if, is it okay if I like, if
2: is wait is it... Is it kind of okay if I like try to like get most of my information on the like the Russian Revolution from these voice chats with you instead of like reading the book? I'll try to read whenever possible, but because school is starting, I'm not gonna have time.
0: I-, I think that should work okay, just because we we tend to start out with uh, asking for like a summary of the chapters, and then if there's anything. That you feel like you don't understand, you can ask mm. questions, and I feel like that'll help uh, spur discussion too. So I think that would be okay. You know, like read when you yeah. can, but otherwise, you know, you can just drop in. That's okay.
2: Yeah, I, I'm. I think these days I'm probably just gonna drop in.
0: That's fine, and that goes to any any viewers mm. out there, listeners out there, to the podcast. Feel free to, podcast. to drop in and so on and so <laughs> forth. You know,
3: I think that's. Oh come on, I'm man! Don't pretend this is a real podcast.
2: Yeah, it basically is a real podcast, even though we it's just like a VC that we just do a like a voice recorder to and then we just record it and then just put it on SoundCloud. Yeah.
3: Look, if good. if this is a real podcast, I am pretty sure we're going to start having people crucify us for having in some here okay, tech. We are having at right, uh, chapter this. I, I don't think I don't do it to the It's man. i just say if if we if we ever actually get done. I guess they're going to kill us for that.
0: Oh, well. Mm. We'll die anyway.
3: We'll
1: die. <laughs> we need to start making merch. That'll yeah. be official.
2: Oh, yeah, for the
3: anti-capitalist podcast. <laughs> we need the soft oh.
0: shirts. I'm
3: pretty sure ah. I, I, I every mean, quote-unquote anti-capitalist podcast I has made. So it, it's not that ironic, man. It's not that ironic.
0: Alright, somebody out there, design us a somp shirt. Let's do it. Let's do it.
3: Let's do
2: it. (laughs) Oh, proud to be featured on the podcast.
0: Word. Alright, take care, everybody.
2: Take care.